LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Because what you don't realize in your 20s, what I wish somebody had said is, God is going to do some things in your 20s that don't look related to your career, to your success, but it is shaping your character. And you're going to want that when you're 50 and you are in charge of a $5 million thing, right? Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vernoy, and I'm here as always with my injured co-host, yeah. Josh Hunter. You know, they didn't know, but now they know. <laughs> they know. I had to point yeah. it out, man. 29 years old, I'm in a flag football league, and I get a stress fracture. Don't even remember when it happened. I don't have much to look forward to in life when it comes to injuries. <laughs> Adrenaline kept you going. You're ready to keep had playing. To get the, had to get the W for the bros. <laughs> Did you get the dub? We got the dub. There it we is. We got the dub. There it, it is. Good. Well, who do we have with us in studio? I know it's not very often we have somebody in studio, studio with us. Excuse me. We have John Eldridge, and he is an author, a counselor, which... I might need some counseling after this about the foot, John. So <laughs> we can go there. We can we can go there. It'd be helpful. He's a teacher. You probably have heard of his book, Wild at Heart. And if you haven't, please go pick up a copy and read it right now. Maybe even pause the podcast and go read it. It's an incredible book. And on top of all that, he just came out with a new book called Get Your Life Back. He is also president of Ransomed Heart, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God, recover their own heart and his love, and learn to live in his kingdom. So quite the list of accolades and achievements <laughs> and already, I can tell, a very humble leader. John, we're, we're excited to have you on today. Thanks, How guys. are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to this a lot. I wish, I wish I had this when I was mm. a young leader. Mm. Way to go, guys. Well, that's well, affirming. Well, thank you. Well, we're so excited to hear. I know for me, Wild at Heart was big for, for me growing up and just kind of understanding who I was as a man. But also, you now have a, a new book out called Get Your Life Back. And especially young leaders, there's so much chaos, so much yeah. look uh, demanding our attention. And this just is a timely, timely book. So can you just share a little bit about why you wrote the book and how it could be helpful? Yeah, I wish I had it in my 20s. <laughs> really, you know, because when, you, when you're young, like you got the message is get something going, get something going. So you work extra hours and you work weekends and, mm. you know, you really push hard to try and, you know, make a place for yourself and get your thing going. Um, and which is exactly what I did. And we get into that story in a minute, but, um, you got to, you got to take care of your soul. Mm. All of the famous and maybe unknown leadership blowups, the addictions, the affairs, the collapses, I'll guarantee you that leader was not taking care of their soul. Mm. So get your life back. is just about some very simple practices you can do every day to get out of the madness, take care of your soul, be a human being again. In the midst of a real world, you know, I've got 19 employees and I've got email to answer and I got people calling and wanting my time. Right. So yeah. I live in a real world. Um, but also I just, I just have seen too many breakdowns to go. I, I want to take care of my soul so that, so that I'm, I want to enjoy my life mm. while I'm changing the world. That's good. That's good. Now, one stat that you throw out in the book is that the average American checks their phone 80 times a day, 70% keep it within reach while they sleep. And I would say 
that probably our generation, if it was just us, we would probably skew it even more <laughs> to be higher. So what would you say for, for young leaders? I mean, we have, we are probably one of the first generations now that have kind of grown up with technology in this yes. way. And it's, yes. it's different for us. Well, how would you instruct us to, to get our life back? Well, okay. So your generation actually um, uses their phone nine hours a day, mm. three hours using apps, um, 10 hours a day consuming some kind of media. Okay, so it's brutal. Yeah. And, and just to begin to say some kindness of, hey, look, we all have to be plugged in for various reasons. You got to get texts for work, you got to check email, you need to know what's going on in the world, you know, et cetera. That's okay. But but you also have to be a human being. You got to live a real life. And, and so like the bottom line I would say is do real things. Yeah. Play flag football, ride a bike, <laughs> go, you know? Uh, listen to music. Um, if you if you work out, try and get it outside. Take your run outside, not on the treadmill. You know, go for a swim if you can. The outdoor pool, or like, just do real things. Make your own meals, like cook mm -hmm. or paint or learn an instrument. I'm telling you, in this hour, it will literally save your life mm. because a human soul is not meant to live entirely in a technological space. You, you got to pull out of that and like be real. Yeah. Do real things. Man, I'm, I'm getting convicted over here. No, it's a good word. I, I, I just recently been looking in and playing around with the settings on my phone. I thought about buying what they call a dumb phone, you know, a smartphone, <laughs> yeah. but it's a dumb phone, you know, yeah. and it cuts off all the applications, but you can do that if you have an iPhone. I'm unsure about Android set time limits for apps or even just, uh, I think they call it downtime. Mm. So I have mine set for a certain time and already I have seen that pay dividends and it's been like right. three days. right. It's been like three days since okay. I've been wow. really strict. See, there's a lot of stuff in life that you don't see the dividends right away. Eat your vegetables. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't yeah. really Still notice. Wait on that one. Yeah, you're yeah. going to take your vitamins, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. But this you do. Yes. I'm telling you. Like, so for me, it was checking my phone first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I was addicted to it. Like, wake up, check your phone. Yep. And then you're in it because then it's answer that text. And, oh, oh yeah. look Responders at this. There's another one. Yeah. Let me hey, flip over this. Uh, Liverpool won the Chelsea game or, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, right? Yeah. You're in it. You're in it. You're in it. So simple things like I don't check my phone first thing in the morning, make a cup of coffee or tea, yep. look out the window, say some mm. prayers, listen to some music. I'm not, I'm talking 12 minutes. This isn't like an hour, yeah. right? The immediate benefits, you know, right away. Like I just feel, I just feel better. I'm not crazy in my head every day. I, I have some space. I got some head space to just mm. be human again. Clarity is the word I would use for right? me. I was like, man, I, I have clarity about issues. I'm, I'm actually able to find <laughs> and express my emotion more clearly. Whoa. I'm able to feel sadness more clearly. Whoa. I'm able to, I'm able Whoa. to feel happiness more clearly. Whoa. Bro, it's been three days. And it's been it's three days. Wow. I'm serious. Wow. And it was, and this helped the, the football quote unquote injury <laughs> over here, you know, a little stress fracture. I, I'm a better version of myself. When you're talking about going and doing real things, mm. I'm a better version of myself after I go and I compete and I play yeah. football because I can kind of be direct and competitive and yeah. mean to those guys out there or whatever yeah. and just kind of be myself. But there's no technology. Yeah. It's just me with a yeah. bunch of guys out on a field with a pigskin running around. That yeah. is so interesting, John. Yeah, yeah. It's just huge. It's really, really healing. It's healing to be outside, by the way. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's uh, really good for the soul. And exactly on that same line of thought, and you reference a stat of <laughs> the average person spends 93% of life indoors. Oh. And when I read that, I'm just like, yeah, 
that is probably true of my life. Like I go from the office, I go home, I, I go on a walk, I, I might work out, but that's still in the gym. So wow, that exactly. is probably true. Right. So let me ask you, what is, how do you get outside? And then I also have a follow-up question. I think it'll be a fun one. So I love the outdoors and it feeds my soul, but in a normal week, I can't get to the mountains. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. get to the ocean, right? <laughs> so honestly, what I do, I take a lap outside my building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just know for my sanity, a couple times a day, I just get up, cracks the staff up. They're like, oh, there goes John. <laughs> <laughs> just walk out the building and take a lap. Just see what the weather's doing, mm-hmm. right? Look at the sky, like be real. Engage the world again, like the real world. And I just take a lap or two till I'm settled down and my head's not spinning anymore. My soul's not all cranked. Yeah. Just come down five minutes. Like everybody can do that. Yeah. Like, these things are actually very, very doable into a sane life. And then I would say, yeah, man, like let your play time, whatever you do for play time, I hope some of it's outside. Yeah. Like ride a bike, chuck a Frisbee, play spike ball. Hey, shout out to Spikeball right Chandler there. Come on. Destroyed me in Spikeball several months ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's a joy that's bomb, right. man. Yeah. A joy bomb. <laughs> it's I'm, so good. I'm taking that one. I yeah. hope that's okay if I yeah. can use that well, term. Hey, after this, we'll all, we'll all go for a lap outside. How about my, that? My team, that's a great idea. My team that I, that I serve with at Student Life Camp, they around 2 or 3 o'clock, they call it 2 o'clock Josh. He gets a little crazy and wants to goof around and stuff. That yes. might be a good time to take a lap outside. <laughs> yes. Would be. yes, come on. That's a real thing, by the way. Okay, yeah. like even little boys in education, like putting a boy in a chair in a school and asking him to sit still for eight hours <laughs> is madness. That's so good. It's madness. Yeah. You yeah. got to let him climb, jump, yeah. break stuff, blow stuff up, you know, light the anthill on fire. Like you got to, you have to let that. Be real. Yeah, mm. I'm a little boy in a school. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly what's clock. happening. It's exactly. So here, here's a fun question I want to ask you. I, I don't know if you ever watched Ken Burns documentaries. Yeah, the national parks. I'm watching. I was watching this was the other. Ask, yeah, yeah. So I was watching it recently. And as soon as I saw that we were going to interview you, I was like, I want to ask John, what is your favorite national park? Because I'm sure you love being outside. You have a favorite. I love them all. Yeah. I love them all. Um, so I love Yellowstone okay. because it's phenomenal. It's like Eden, you mm. know, the, the wildlife and the beauty and everything. But the problem is the tourism. Mm-hmm. So the secret to Yellowstone is if you are willing to get 100 feet off of the path, off the highway, off the thing, no one's there. Wow. You can have the largest contiguous wilderness in the United States to yourself. I'm serious. You just w- take a walk. Is it legal? It is. Okay. You just walk. <laughs> There's lots of trails, lakes, things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but below the Tetons, below Yellowstone is Grand Teton National mm-hmm. Park. That's our family place. We've been mm-hmm. going there every year since cool. the boys were, you know, five years old. So 19 years we've been going every year because people blow through the Tetons to get to Yellowstone. Yeah. But the Tetons is more beautiful. That's what I've heard. Interesting. It's more beautiful. There's canoeing and lakes and hikes, mm. still tons of wildlife and one eighth of the people there. Wow. That's my favorite part. Haley and I went, uh, my wife Haley, uh, last fall went to Zion National Park oh, for the first right time. Oh, right on. Yeah. It was, a, it was a really guys, fun experience. Did you guys hike Angels Landing? No, I wouldn't let Haley. Okay. And so I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave. It's a scary hike. Yeah. Haley sometimes just trips over nothing. And so it makes me like (laughs) double nervous getting on. And it was really windy. And I love you, Haley. I love you so much. I'm looking out for you, babe. If you listen to this one. If you listen. Josh is sorry. You don't even listen. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, you're okay. (laughs) Well, I... 
I'm, that was a selfish question because we were actually deciding between Zion and Yellowstone and hearing you say, I've heard so many people say Yellowstone and I just want to go experience it. So we're probably going to try to find a way to get okay, out there. Okay, dude, offline, you need to, you need to email me and I'll give you the secrets of Yellowstone. I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that because that would be incredible. <laughs> well, we do have a podcast yeah, that we're supposed to be getting into here. Yeah, we could ask. But if you guys want to talk. This was to, good for the soul. It was a joy bomb. Soul. It is. Joy it was bomb. a joy bomb. <laughs> it is yeah. a joy bomb. Yeah. So. John, there's there's uh, so many stories I'm sure that you have, but can you just walk us through a quick overview of of how you have gotten to where you are today and the kind of the Lord's worked in your life? So I uh, came to Christ at 19 out of a pretty wild background. Police record, drugs, alcohol, that whole deal. Um, and got in. I was a very driven person and so got into the church uh, world, but they reward drivenness Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't really what I needed. I needed discipleship. I needed mentoring. I need, you know, but immediately, I I mean, really quickly, I'm suddenly, you know, leading stuff at church and um, Stacey and I, my wife Stacey and I uh, both have theater backgrounds. My undergrad degree is in theater. We started a theater company in LA in our twenties. Wow. And it was a big, bold thing, uh, but we loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, But theater is a jealous mistress. Like you have to give your life to it if it's going to work. So it's nights and weekends. It's everything. I mean, just ask everything of you. Um, Wasn't good for our marriage. So I I loved it. I loved it. It broke my heart, but I had to shut it down five years into our marriage because I was just gone. Mm -hmm. I was just gone all the time. Took a job in D.C., really bad move. Nearly killed my soul. So LA to DC. LA to DC. Ooh, yeah, uh, it killed me. A little different. Um, and uh, and so really helpful friend one day. I he saw he saw I was dying in my job. And the thing is, I was getting promoted. So it's <laughs> like, you know, I'm successfully miserable. Wow. Or I'm miserably successful. Mm-hmm. Right. He asked me. He says, "Hey, John, when you go to bookstore." do you like go to the politics section? Do you read like stuff on like social policy and that sort of thing? I'm like, oh no, I never <laughs> read that stuff. He's like, well, what do you read? I'm like, oh, I read stuff like on the soul and the heart, psychology, that kind of thing. He's like, dude, you're in the wrong vocation. So That's left, insightful. left DC, went and got a graduate degree in therapy counseling, became a therapist. Uh, and that really got me on track to more of what I was supposed to be doing, kind of working at the level of the heart with people, began speaking, writing, discovered that I could do that for, for more people than just one at a time. Mm. Uh, in fact, there's a wild story with this. So I'm sitting in my, I'm a young therapist, working nights, sitting in a marriage counseling session. Jesus shows up. Jesus speaks. Jesus says, hey, John, look what you're doing. I'm like, what? Am I blowing it? (laughs) You know, he says, you're talking to two people. I want you to talk to a lot more than that. Mm. And that's it. He's gone. (laughs) And I'm trying to pay attention to what this couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I afterwards, you know, I finished the session. I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, Lord, what was that? And here's what he says. He says, quit your practice. I have other things for you. So there were huge faith steps in this journey, like massive faith steps. Dace and I for two years had no income. We would come home to two years. a bag of groceries on the steps, trail lasagna. People knew, like we were struggling. We had three young boys and uh, it, because, but, but we really felt God was in it. And, and then while at heart took off and everything took off. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
So what was it like when, because I, when we were talking a little bit before this, you said Wild at Heart didn't take off in the first year. It was more no, year two uh-uh. and three. Yeah. So when you wrote that and it came out of a lot of your own journey, a lot of kind of what you've, you've been wrestling through on your own. Yep. What did it look like when you wrote a book that was out of, it was basically you put your, your own soul onto a page mm. for others to read. Mm. What was that journey like of when it did take off? You got to be really careful, man. That's cocaine. Mm. <laughs> right like seriously first of all you sounded so cool when you said that <laughs> it is I'm gonna turn that to a ringtone <laughs> it is you gotta be really careful with that um, success praise applause mm. right who doesn't want that yeah um, and and I was a pretty unhealed young guy still so I I, I think I I kind of gave my soul to it mm. um, and then when the next book didn't do as well I'm like, oh no, my world's falling apart. And mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is how the publishing industry goes. You don't always have best-selling books. Nobody does, you yeah. know. Everybody's got like a base hit, you know, or a strikeout. Yeah. So I had to be, I had to be um, really careful with where we went with the success of all that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I had to do, I stopped reading my numbers. I don't, I don't read my numbers still. I get these sales reports from my publisher every month. I don't read them. I don't need, I don't need to know that. There may be more mature person than I who can handle that. I can't. And so I just don't read it. I yeah. don't, I don't want to know. I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day and Simon Sinek was on it. I can't remember. I think it was Entree Leadership, but he was saying when he first started out publishing books, he would read his numbers, but he said, I had to stop because it was like transforming my soul yes. and everything I was, the whole yes. purpose of trying to help people. Good. It was messing me up. I am really glad to hear that. Like, first off, good for him. Yeah. Right. But also that's very reassuring because I still don't read those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's helpful. You know, you talked about, about a lot of the the pivotal moments and the overview of your, your leadership, but what is one that sticks out to you? This pivotal moment that you look back on that said that, that really changed my trajectory. That changed my leadership in my life. So I've got two, I got two stories. One is I'm in my twenties. I'm married three years and I'm cranking the theater company. I mean, I am cranking. We are successful. We're getting good reviews in the press. And did you read those? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I was, I was, I was the fool. I was hanging on everybody's opinion of me, you know? And so we're at breakfast one morning and Stacy says, I think we ought to get a divorce. Oh, wow. And I am, I'm like, What? We're great. Mm. We have a great marriage. What are you talking about? I mean, that's how clueless I was to how I was gone and she wasn't happy. And so that began, um, that began a really, really good journey of, okay, I'm addicted to my work. I'm addicted to the praise of people and it's killing my marriage. I got to change. And that means I have to change internally. So that, that, that choice to um, pay attention to my inner life, the choice to seek my own wholeheartedness from the inside out has been the greatest rescue in leadership I could possibly have gotten. And I've gotten some phenomenal other stuff, training and all that, but that, because that's where people blow up, right? Mm. That's where people wreck their marriage or wreck their kids or, you know, become just arrogant jerks or whatever it is is they don't deal with their stuff. Mm. They don't deal with their inner world. So for Stacy to say, I think I'm done. And it's like, that was transformative. That was the, that was the wake up call. Wow. So tell me, 
So I moved, I moved to Nashville. I'm, I'm so interested in this. We might chase a little bit of a rabbit here. But Before. Moved to Nashville. Um, year and a half year, ago? Year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah, in the fall. Got here, the transition. There were some things in, in my life that I was struggling with, having a lot of anxiety. Never went to counseling before. And I got to the place. I had anxiety for about two years. I said, I, I can't. I, I can't continue the way that I'm going. Exactly. Right? And so I went exactly. to counseling and right. I, I've been consistently going on and off and consistently going on and off, but went through the season <laughs> back in, back in it now. And it's been really helpful. But tell me about that inner, that inner working that you're talking about. What yes. are the inner things that yes. people okay. should take so care of? Okay. So grew up in an alcoholic home, mm-hmm. uh, profound father wounding. He blew up the family, abandonment, no dad to guide me through young manhood. Mm. No dad. Didn't teach me anything about money. Didn't teach me anything about girls. Didn't teach me anything about career. I was, I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And so all that drivenness that, that got really rewarded rewarded and frankly got rewarded by the church because I was just, a, I was a can-do guy. Yep. I'll get it done. It was actually fueled by a lot of brokenness mm-hmm. and that you can't sustain that. You can't sustain it. And so going to a counselor, I did too, mm-hmm. taking a look under the hood and saying, where's all this anger from? Man, I am a really angry dude. And I'll, where's all this fear from? I, I would just wake up to fear in the night as a young man. And it, it didn't have anything to do with like a presentation the next day or it was just this fear. And it was the fear of, well, you're on your own. Mm. I'm on my own. And which is a horrible belief for a believer to have because you're not on your for own. Sure. Uh, so healing that, forgiving my dad, you know, um, doing the internal work to not be fueled by that brokenness anymore, living out of a genuine strength instead of a strength that I was pretending to have to the world. I was faking it. Yeah. Come on, everybody. We were all faking it, right? To some degree or another. And just being honest about the way I was faking it um, and and seeking through counseling, uh, some healing of that. So I don't have to fake it anymore. And so here's the fascinating thing to connect the two dots. The other transformative moment in my leadership story is so... I am now I'm a therapist, young thirties, um, best friends with the head of the counseling group. He was my mentor. We wrote sacred romance together, Brent Curtis. We start a ministry to men first weekend, opening weekend, first retreat. He's killed in a climbing accident. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Devastating. Devastating. And Everyone is expecting that I will step in and take his role in the counseling center. And first off, you've got all his clients who are devastated. You get, you know, I've got my clients, the staff, everyone's reeling. And so I'm the guy, be the hero, step in, be the man, right? Kind of thing, which I, but I didn't, I didn't think that was actually my calling to do that. And so I'm sitting in my car, looking at the mountains in Colorado, pulled over in a parking lot. And I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. Mm. And here's what he said. He asked me a question. He said, John, if you didn't have to prove that you were a good man, would you do this? And I said, oh, no. Wow. And he's like, there's your answer, pal. Mm. You don't have to prove that. Like that search for validation thing can get men to do a lot of things they shouldn't do. Um, And whether it's extreme sports or, you know, extreme girls or whatever, that search for validation gets guys to do things they shouldn't do. And 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 he's like, you're good. You're fine. You don't need to do that. So I didn't. And instead became an author, started Ransomed Heart, then came Wild at Heart, and then came all this. Like all Mm -hmm. this was born out of that juncture moment of like, you don't have to do that, pal. Wow. There's, I was actually talking with, with someone else the other day where, 
it was like a position that was open and they're like, I could take this. It would be the, it would look like the promotion, but I just don't know if that's what God has for me. And it's literally what yep. you're saying. And it's, yep. there's, there's steps that you can take that from the outside world is like, why would you not take that? That's a exactly. promotion. Hey, you're yeah, going to be totally, you're, you're going to be the head of the counseling center. Yeah. Why would you not? Right. Because that's not what God called me to. Exactly. There's something different for me and I'm going to take a step back from this. Yep. <laughs> what would you, well, sorry, Chandler. Uh, so interested in this topic still. So uh, some of, some of like when I got to counseling, it, it got to the place for me. I was like, I, I can't keep going on. I've got so much shame yes. right now. I, yes. And he, you know, I've learned like shame directs energy. You have to get the energy somewhere. And mine turned to anxiety instead of mm -hmm. like sadness and feeling that emotion of being vulnerable with people. But mm -hmm. for me, when, before I could get there, I had to get to the point to realize, get past the idea of going to counseling means I'm broken and that means I messed up. So I shouldn't go. Right. How do you get a young, cause I feel like every leader, every person should go to the therapist at some point. Or I, don't, I don't need therapy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the demeanor yeah, that we no, have. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. especially young leaders, mm -hmm. the stress and anxiety that leadership can bring and responsibility. It's a lot, especially yep. in today's culture yep. where you're plugged in and you see everybody else's achievements yep. and everybody else's followers. Yep. How can a young leader get past that mental block of his or her mm. mind of, I'm really broken if I go, so I'm just not going to go. I don't need therapy. Mm -hmm. How do you get them there? Well, first off, gang, everybody's faking it. So if you, <laughs> if you think that those people have their act together and That's they're good. all wholehearted and stuff, it's not true. I yeah. guarantee you. It's not true. We're all broken. Mm. Everybody's broken. Um, it's just what you do with your brokenness, right? Most people are hiding it and medicating it. Okay. Hiding and medicating, but that won't see you far. I think the real thing is the joy of it, right? Don't you have so much more joy in your life oh, now? So, so much. Yeah. yeah. Nine day difference. That's why we do it, right? You, you do it because there's life, there's mm. joy, there's wholeheartedness. It's wonderful, right? So, um, no stigma. It's really wise. It's really wise. Uh, scripture says, deep are the thoughts of a man's heart, but a man of understanding draws them out. You need somebody's eyes on your life. Mm. Somebody's eyes on your life. And it might be a priest or it might be a spiritual director or it might be a counselor, but get somebody's eyes mm. on your life. That's really good. I want to go back to, and this is, I know this is a big piece of wild at heart. And you were saying, and we're going to kind of speak to men here for a second. You said for men, they want to be validated. Yep. And can you just kind of speak into that? I mean, there's, I want, even in this room, I want you guys to validate me. I, yeah. want, I want you yeah. I want to ask. I want to crush it. I want to, I want to be looking like I'm doing the best I can. Totally. Well, how, how should yeah. we combat that? Cause it, it's not a, no, 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 no. You don't combat it. I was it. about to say, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, no. But how do we lean into it in a healthy way? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So every little boy has one question. And the question is, do I have what it takes? Everything he does is to get an answer to that question. Ride his bike with no hands, try and do a, a flip on the trampoline, or maybe it's audition for the play, or it's get straight A's in, in school. You know, there's different versions of it. Um, try out for choir. You know, it's not necessarily athletics. Yeah. But the question is always the same. Do I have what it takes? And how that question got answered for you in your story so far is shaping the way you're living. It's shaping him most here. Well, no. So do this, you know, try harder, be different, change yourself, be someone other, you know, think about how that question got answered is a first step. How, do I have what it takes? Well, what do I believe about that? Do I believe yes or no? What it takes? No, I don't think I have what, you know, well, why not? Who told you that? Mm -hmm. um, 
And that question, that search for validation continues into our adult life. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Men are, men, men are made to come through. Men are made to come through and we know it, mm. right? We know it. We just like that little guy who's wearing the Spider-Man outfit in the grocery store the other day. His mom couldn't get him. I just know the story. Mom could not get him to take that <laughs> off, right? That little guy... He knows it. Yeah, yeah. He knows it. Right. right. I am meant to be powerful. <laughs> yeah, you are. Actually, that's a really good longing. You're meant to be powerful. Your words should be powerful. Your life should be powerful. Your thoughts should be powerful. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Um, ultimately, you can only get that final answer from God. Only God has the right to tell you who you mm. are. And to go to your father and say, father, how am I doing? Are you proud of me? Mm. I mean, your heavenly father, yeah. how am I doing? Like to get core validation, do not, do not, do not look to your wife to answer this for you. No, you're right. It'll mess up your marriage, yep. right? You don't go to her to get validated as a man. You go to her as a man to offer your strength. And, but you, got, you still need love and validation. And, and the, accomplishments in your life, totally legitimate. That's a wonderful thing. Man, I crushed it. I killed that. Like that was awesome. That project, I drilled it, right? right? That's good. There's joy mm. in that. Ultimately, you better have that question grounded in the love of God mm. because the world's going to take you for a roller coaster ride. And one day they're going to say yes. And the next day they're going to say, no, you don't have what it takes. And oh, now you do. And now you don't. Now you, that, that's it's just yeah. living hell. It's horrible. Mm. Grounded in God then you're able to weather the storms, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I get a I get a great hit book and then I don't get a great hit book. And it's like, so? Yeah. I'm still the same guy. Yeah. I'm still the same person. It hasn't changed my reality. You're still fully known and fully accepted. Exactly. Love. Yeah. He's loved. proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. If that resonates with you, if you're like, I want to know more about that, you have not read Wild at Heart, check it out. But then also Captivated. If you're, yes. if, if you're a w young woman listening and you're yes. like, well, what does it look like for me? Well, John and his wife, Stacy actually wrote a book, yeah. Captivated. So yeah. those would be good to pair together. So yeah. if you haven't read them, check them out. Yep. Go for it. Well, we're talking about pivotal moments. Mistakes can be pivotal moments as yep. well. So <laughs> yep. They can yep. Be. yep. Yep. What was your biggest mistake as a, as a leader getting started? Um, I would say crawl, walk, run is the best advice I can give anyone anytime ever. Crawl, walk, run. I didn't. I just went from zero to run. Hmm. And that's that young man's thing, right? You got to get it done. You got to make a home run. You got to make an impression, build a kingdom, get something going. It's just, it's, that's okay. That's okay. But you also got to realize you're only 25, John. I wish somebody would have just said, hey, yeah. crawl, walk, yep. run. You got time. You're okay. You, you don't need to prove yourself in a day. Because uh, I just, I, my, my mistake was too much, too fast, too much, too fast. Yeah. In every, in every single thing I did, mm. too much, too fast. Mm. That's good. I, we, my team, we're going through good to great. And I can't help but think about the uh, flywheel versus the doom loop. Right. And that's what they say. Crawl, walk, run. Like yep. it's a flywheel. It gains yes. momentum. Yeah, exactly. Even if you take your foot off the gas, it's, yes. the energy. It's still gone. It still goes. Yeah. But if you try to doom loop it and... It's a one-off. It's like, those don't work very well. Right. That's not a sustainable way to run a business or to live. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. And, and sorry, sorry to cut you off. I was going to say, and I would assume that you, in your wisdom, you would say this as well, that part of the success down the road is the experience that you have in your 20, 
twenties and thirties of, of failing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Cause, cause what you don't realize in your twenties, what I wish somebody had said is God is going to do some things in your twenties that don't look related to your career, to your success, but it is shaping your character mm-hmm. and you're going to want that. Mm-hmm when you're 50 and you are in charge of a $5 million thing, right? Like when there, there are things that God needs to get done in the twenties and most of it actually is unseen and it's the interior work. It's the character, the strength, the validation, all of that, that prepares you for handling what's going to be handed to you. Dallas Willard's, one of his famous things is God is looking for men that he can entrust with his power. Hmm. He wants to. The problem with the human history and the history of the Bible is God giving men power and them not being able to handle it. Yeah. A title, a degree, money, influence, something, some form of, of power in the world, right? Leadership. And, and them not being able to handle it because they are unformed men. They are basically boys walking around in men's bodies. Wow. It's convicting. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking God, hum- it's the verse I'm going to butcher it, but basically that God humbles us to exalt us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only when we, when we go mm-hmm. low that he can send us high. I will, I will always remember, I was talking at one of my mentors and he's actually my boss. His name is Brad. I was talking to Brad and I wanted more responsibility. I, I always remember this, John. It was a great learning moment for me. And I'm glad you took it to character. We talk about it a lot on this show. You know, Brad, I think I'm ready for this, man. Yeah. I can I can do this, bro. Just yep. give me it. And he goes, Josh, your competence is outpacing your character. Yep. You're really smart. You probably can get it done. Yep. I don't know if your character is ready for it. One, yeah. I was thankful for the honest feedback because he's protecting and yep. looking out for me. Yeah. But man, that when when the competence outpaces the character, it is yeah, it is bad news. Yeah. Well, and it, and, and by that, he didn't mean if I give you this, you're going to go have an affair. No, exactly. Yeah. It it means that um, the more successful you are, the more difficult it is to handle it well. Mm-hmm. Right. That takes character mm. to handle success much more character than it takes to handle failure. And, and so like to build the substance of soul to become the kind of man or woman to whom God can entrust his kingdom is the core work of the gospel. That's the core thing. Like God wants to give us his kingdom. He really does expand our influence in the world, help our dreams come true, all that stuff. He's totally behind that. But he just knows if we are not substantive as people, it will crush us mm-hmm. either through anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. fear, addiction, or we'll blow it up because we think it's all about us. And then it's arrogance and pride and tyrannical styles of leadership. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're the jerk nobody likes, yeah. and, you know? Yeah. That's so good. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, hey, before yeah. we get to the next question, let's take a moment, pause and hear from our sponsor. On this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so you can launch strong, be reproducible, and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. 
See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Now, back to the podcast. John, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Neil Anderson's book, Victory Over the Darkness. Because I had no idea that spiritual warfare was going to come after me, come after me hard. And if you're not aware for the subtleties of the enemy, the lies that get in, the agreements that you're making with those lies, if that's not part of your framework, the way he's trying to get into relationships, the way he's trying to mess up your leadership team, all that, like if you're not aware, look, you have an enemy. He hates your guts. He's going to try and blow up what you're doing. He's prowling, man. (laughs) He is. Yeah. Live like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been so helpful. Wow. <laughs> that would have because I was just misinterpreting tons yeah. of stuff. I, I was blaming myself or other people. I was blaming God for things that the enemy was doing mm. in relationships, in projects, and that kind of thing. And and it was like that's not that person. That the the enemy is totally in here trying to blow this thing up. That would have been really helpful. Just something even you said there, forgiveness is easier if we know that the motive is coming, like Satan's working through a person. It's exactly. like, hey, I'm going to forgive you. Exactly. Because I know that was the result of the fall. Yep. And that's yeah, free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just to trust, it, we had to build our organization on this. We um, Early in the organization, we had to say, everybody is going to believe a couple of things. Your heart is good and my heart is good. Your heart towards me is good. And my heart towards you is good. We're just going to believe that so that all that other stuff can't get in. Why do you say that? How yeah. come he left me out of that meeting? Yeah. Why didn't he respond to my email sooner? All <laughs> that, that speculation, that stuff is from hell. Yeah. And, and it'll really wreck a relationship. You yeah. go, man, he is not paying attention to me. He didn't even acknowledge my idea. Maybe he literally didn't hear you. You know, like it was a busy meeting. And so just trusting other people. And um, really disarms the enemy's ability to get in and sow that stuff. See, they don't like you. They don't appreciate you, right? Mm. That's a great way to put it. We talk about trust before suspicion. We yes. say that a lot, yep. right? So, but yes. with people, like, but think about what you, what you just said really helped me. Trust disarms the enemy. Yes, it does. It disarms Satan. Yes, it does. And that's the person. Yes, it person. Does. That's the thing yeah. we need to disarm. Big time. Yeah. There's so, a book, uh, Smarter, Faster, Better. It's by Charles Duhigg. He wrote, uh, the power, power of habit habits. as well. But he talks about kind of creating the team culture. And he says, one of the most important things in a work environment is trust, trust on a team. And hearing you say that is, it is freeing for me if I know that if I mess up, you know, my heart is good. Exactly. It's uh, That wasn't Chandler yeah. trying to do something to, to oh, really, you know, geez. come after me, but it's, yes. he made a mistake or, yeah. hey, I'm not supposed to be in that meeting. Yeah. I'm sure that there's a reason why. And if I need to know, they'll let me know. Exactly. That's a, I love how you said Believing that. Believing that they are for you, mm. right? Their heart towards me is good. My heart towards them is good. We're not going to judge each other's motives. So John, I'm going to take play devil's advocate for a second. Let's say that you're following somebody or somebody on your team you're doing, you're trusting, you're doing that, but it is very obvious. They're just, they're frustrated. They're having it out. They're having yeah. unhealthy conflict on purpose with you. Yes. How do you handle that as a leader to them? Well, it depends. So if they're a peer, I would go to lunch. Um, but when you're the leader, you got to be really careful. You carry a bigger baseball bat than you know. Mm. And your comments, when you're the leader, your comments carry weight in the, in the organization. you got to be really careful with that. I'll just say simple things to my staff like, what was that about? And it'll be an earthquake. 
<laughs> you crush them. Because it's me, yeah. right? And it's it's the president is saying that, yeah. oh, no, I might lose my job. You know? <laughs> um, and so you got to be real careful with that. But I, I would assume their motives are good and say, give it a day or two. Okay. Don't go right after it. Um, heat of the moment stuff, you just disarm it. A mm. um, couple of days later, you go, hey, in that meeting the other day, you seem pretty angry. Can you tell me what that was about? I hear the difference in tone for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not confrontive mm. and they don't feel cornered. They, they, um, cause you don't want to put them on the defense cause then they'll be defensive, yeah. you know, and you won't get an honest answer. Actually, they'll fake it and they say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm. And you go, yeah, you're not fine. You're pissed. You know? And, yeah. Um, so you just kind kindness and say, Hey, that, um, you seem pretty cranked up. What was that about? Was that me? Did I do something? You know, um, being open to their feedback without repercussions if they fear repercussions, they will never tell you the truth. That's a good word. Mm. Well, what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? <clears throat> well, it has to do with the crawl, walk, run thing. But my biggest mi misconception was it's going to happen fast. Yeah. Right? We're going to get this thing done fast. Yeah. We're going to build this theater company. We're going to be a success or whatever it was. I'm going to get my counseling degree. I'm going to be a hit. You know, I'm going to write books. It's going to be amazing. It's going to happen fast. It doesn't happen fast. Thank mm. God it doesn't happen fast. You don't want it to happen fast. Yeah. But I thought it would. I thought it would. I just thought, because that's the whole world, right? Well, bigger, smarter, faster. I mean, let's be honest. The world does think that faster is the goal. Yeah. And God is actually often not in fast. He's, he's just, he's not in fast. Look at oak trees. <laughs> You're like that took forever for that thing <laughs> to get that big. Like it's he, amazing. It's amazing. He really seems to just not be in a hurry about much. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Love so true. It. Right? It is. It is so it. true. Yeah, but we are. But we are. I was yeah, going to say we, we are. are. Oh man, we yeah. are. And I still think, I still think successful means scope, scale, big versus influence, mm. right? And you can be incredibly successful and not have it scaled to a large size. You can be incredibly influential, right? And be mm. making and doing a marvelous thing in the world. I mean, look at grade school teachers. I was, that was yeah. literally what I thought of when you said that. Right? Look at grade school <laughs> teachers. The most underpaid people in the world. I don't know why we don't pay these people like millions. Yeah. These yeah. are your children yeah. for yeah. heaven's yeah. sake. This yeah. is Shaping their, their minds. minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I would always overpay babysitters. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what, what? 15, you know, five bucks an hour? What are you talking? I'm like, <laughs> I need you to keep them alive. <laughs> I'm going to give you 20 bucks an hour. You are taking care of my child. Yeah. Anyway, um, grade school teachers are mm. doing phenomenal work and it's largely unappreciated and it's on a fairly small scale, right? But yeah. the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Like, mm. yeah, it's huge. Like I can, mm. Mrs. McGrath, my second grade teacher, I still remember her. Yeah. What a great reminder is they, you may, your influence is not massive, but who's around you that you can be an impact on like your second grade teacher that you're going to remember? Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to move to the quick hitters now, and I am just really was, excited about these. I'm still uh, holding on to the last bit. That was good. I'm, I know. If, my if my you, world's getting rocked If you right need now. to pause for a second, just yeah. really reflect Process on what everything. we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm super excited to hear your answers on these. So we'll just start out with the first one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get mm-hmm. into the office, all mm-hmm. that good stuff? Yep. 5.30, get up at 5.30 because I need two hours. I need two hours. Uh, I need an hour to pray. Um, to be honest, uh, it just takes me that long mm-hmm. and, and dial in and kind of get my head and find God. And, uh, and then I need an hour not to rush into what I know will be absolute madness when I get there. <laughs> right. I mean, the chaos is waiting. Uh, and so I need some space to read journal, have breakfast, talk to my wife, make a smoothie, uh, and then go into the office. Um, ideal day is several times during the day. I pause. I pause. I practice the one minute pause. We built an app for this, right? Yeah. I, um, it's, it's free and it's huge. Um, pausing during your day um, and not just blasting from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, which is what I used to do. Allowing for transitional space. You come out of a really intense meeting and you're going to go have lunch with your wife. You better pause in between those things. That's good. Because you're going to carry all that stuff straight in if you don't stop, right? Um and then end of the day, uh, I end the day reasonably like five o'clock. We, sh- you know, doors are closed. Everybody go home, be real, be human beings. Yeah. And uh, take a walk. Got to take a walk outdoors. Have to do it. It's a must. Um, and then the other, the other thing I have to do is turn off the technology in the evening and do real things. Like if I can work in a workshop, I'll do that. If I play a game with Stacy, read a real book, not a digital book, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like touch real things, handle real things, smell real things. You, we live way too much of our life now in an artificial space, like this room we're in right now. Everything's fake. You know, the walls are fake, the floors, everything's artificial in our world. Do real things. Don't just live on screens. And then uh, I go to bed. I go to bed at nine. Because um, all of the data on performance, recovery, athletics, all of it is sleep. Mm, yeah. Sleep is- But we neglect it probably the most. Yep. Sleep mm. is the only thing that's proven for athletic recovery. Wow. It's the only thing that research has proven. There's a bunch of theories on this yeah. other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. About like your fats and all that kind of thing. But sleep- it's proven. So you got get your sleep, man. Protect it. That's what's wrong with my foot. <laughs> <laughs> get recovered. Lack of sleep, John. Yeah. <laughs> Just start napping all the yeah. time. Yeah. John, so tell us, I'm actually really curious what this is. What's your favorite personality test? So this is fascinating because <laughs> as a therapist, yeah. I, don't, I don't really like them. Yeah. Uh, I, assumed, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. I, I don't really like them. I don't think they're helpful. I think they stereotype and I think people hide behind them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just an ENTJ. You know, that's just the way I am. And I go, no, you're being a jerk. And <laughs> are, are, aren't you an ENTJ? <laughs> I'm an so ENTJ. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Sorry, guys. I 100% <laughs> agree, though. I 100% I agree. Well. Sorry, guys. 100% agree. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I did, I did think that the uh, Gallup, the strengths finders, yeah. that that's actually super helpful, especially for a team. We did it as a team and it was a real epiphany for me as a leader to go, 
oh my gosh, like woo, you know, the yeah. never met a stranger, yeah, right? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. just a friend I haven't met. That's not me. Mm-hmm. I don't have woo, but I got two woo people on my team and I need to like, let them be that yes. person. Yeah. Too, you're going to trade shows with exactly. me. <laughs> exactly. Don't make me talk to anyone. That's yeah. your job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I thought that was helpful. I thought that was a good test. What are your top three strengths? I don't remember. <laughs> Super pivotal. But, but it's all, you guys, it's all achievement. It's, it's, yeah. it's vision, mm-hmm. achievement, I'm achiever, achiever. Yeah. and, uh, in like diagnostic or whatever, whatever that one is. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Have you, I'm just going to ask, even though I'm at Enneagram. Never took it. Never took it. Yep. Don't care about it? Nope. We'll leave it at that. I'll just guess <laughs> in my head. Yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Spike ball. Hey, there it is. I love that you love that. That's great. Oh, seriously. I brought it into the team. Like we play. um, Play is an excusable activity in our shop. I love that. Because we just discovered we go hard and we love our work. And I got a bunch of achievers and we, we got to play. I might need to bring the student life camp team there. Just, you know, check out the workplace, <laughs> see what it is. I just wish it was warm outside and a beautiful day. We would just go play some spike ball. We would. That'd be awesome. I think I might know the answer to this, <laughs> but what is your favorite app on your phone? Yeah. Right. Well, now it's become the one minute pause. This, one minute this pause. App, this we app, lobbed that one up for you, yeah, right? Yeah. This app that we built. Um, we spent a lot of money on this app to give it away for free, but we, <laughs> we knew it would heal people. Mm, we just yeah. knew that this, honestly, guys, like this will heal you. It's just phenomenal. And we're getting these amazing stories. I heard a missionary in Burma emailed me a couple of weeks ago and said, one of our colleagues was in a car accident. They killed a Burmese couple on a motorcycle, mm. trauma, incarcerated, Burmese prison, not a place you want to spend an hour, let alone several weeks. They were, and, and they were so spun up. They were just so spun up, but they had the pause app and, wow. and the little reminder came, take your pause now. And because within the app, what you experience is first, there's some music and then it's like, take a couple breaths. And then there's these three prayers. And the first one is Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Mm. And you just linger there for a moment. I give everyone and everything to you. And that's exactly what this guy had to do. He's like, I got to turn this over. I, I can't handle this. So yeah, the pause app, it's a rescue. Mm-hmm. Go it's download good. it. And if you have not, it sounds awesome. It's free for heaven's it's sake. It's free. free. Literally no reason not <laughs> yeah. to. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Yeah. Tough question, isn't it? Yeah. What would you say? What would I say? Oh my goodness. Oh, I love I, it. I, I've never had this. You first. I've never had this turned around on me. Um, okay. Actually just finished this. Um, Destiny of the Republic by Candace Millard. I like her. Have you heard of the no. book? Uh-uh. So it's the story of James Garfield entering into his presidency and the assassin. So it's one of those where it kind of follows two people's oh, story yeah. and they meet up. Right. Um, and they meet up at the train station where he was taking off and he gets shot in the back twice. Fascinating thing about this though, and I didn't realize this, he didn't die until 79 days later. And it was all because infection. Interesting. So the book is a story of, of murder, about that time period in medicine yes, yes. and how they didn't believe in infections. Yes. And the doctor, right when he got shot, was digging into his back, the bullet hole, with unclean hands. Oh, no. And they did that every day. Wow. So he died from infection. Yeah, so it was a fascinating. fascinating story. Yeah. Didn't she write River of Doubt? Isn't I, that? That's my next up. 
with uh with oh, that's Theodore a, Roosevelt. That's a killer book. I was yeah. there's another book yeah. I was about to put before it, but you just yeah. convinced me Stop. to read it. I'm having yeah. FOMO. I read either of the <laughs> yeah. Go read them. All right. What's yours? My, my Cal Newport uh Deep Work. I just finished that. And okay. it was uh, awesome. very helpful even in this conversation awesome. and the rest and Sabbath. It yeah. was really good. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, so Nicholas Carr's book, The Shallows, What the Internet's Doing to Our Brains. Okay. Um, that one really helped uh, affirm everything I knew, but like he really put words and research to it. Uh, that's a good one. Um, but I'm also, um, I would say, The Horse and His Boy. Oh, by oh, C.S. So Lewis. Yeah. yeah. I love that book. That's my favorite one. Me too. Oh, the trilogy, for sure. There it is, When man. I was a kid, I read it two or three times and I listened to it probably five or six times on audiobook. There's a reason why. Yeah. Do you know the reason why? Mm -mm. You need to find out. Okay. Ask God, why do I love that book so much? Okay, I will. Wow. Because I, I had the same experience and I just reread it again uh, at the start of the year here and really took my time through it and then began to go, like, it was almost like God just sort of parted the curtains and started showing me things in it. I'm like, holy cow. The story starts with Shasta. He has yeah. a father. He has no mother. My mother was not really in my story. I have no memories of playing with her, or her mm -hmm. reading a book or anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's huge. And then like Erevis, kind of like sort of more like the high class girl that he gets hooked yep. up with. Well, Stacy came from the good neighborhood, my wife and kind of money and that sort of thing. So there's you're reasons. making me want to psychoanalyze yeah, myself Yeah, yeah, well, here. it's just yeah. fascinating. There's reasons that you love the movies and the books that you love. They actually wow. are telling you important things about your story. So when you, re when you read through the Chronicles of Narnia, do you read through them chronologically or do you read through No, them? no, no. Completely randomly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever I want to read. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Well, last yeah. question, John. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good follow-up questions. Yeah. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Um, share, share the load. Share the load. Do not, because the young leader um, is probably not likely to invite other people to share leadership because they want to make an impression and they want to do a good yeah. job, you know. But um, leadership is incredibly lonely. It is immensely lonely. It's one of the great costs of leadership is yeah. the loneliness of it. Fight that from the beginning. Hmm. Like just make it a point to fight that and say, I'm not going to do this alone. I'm going to invite people in, share the leadership. Hmm. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders in Spiritual Leadership, he says isolation is one of the costs mm. of leadership. And it's just exactly oh, it's what terrible. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And you can fight that. You can make choices to fight that. Not completely. Yeah. You, you know, there's always a cost to it. But you can you can choose not to isolate. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, man, this it was, was awesome. It was a pleasure. And I'm so glad that we were able to be in person and get to sit down with you. And for you listening, thank you for listening today. We hope it's been helpful to you and your leadership to hear about John's John's story and a little bit of behind the scenes. And if you have not checked out Wild at Heart, go check it out or Captivated as well as Get Your Life Back. And just go get your life back from everything that's back. all the attention grabbing things in our lives. So if this has been helpful to you, head on over to Instagram. Let us know. Just share the story. We'd love to hear how it's impacted you. And we'll see you next week. See ya.